We believe in growth and continuous learning. We believe in educating and sharing knowledge. We believe the body is miraculous and is able to heal with the proper nutrition and support. And we believe the right mindset is key to your success. I'm Amanda Golightly. And I'm Kate McDowell. And this is Limitless Health. Live well, naturally. Hello, I am Kate McDowell, and this is... Amanda Golightly. And we are the Limitless Podcast. And today we wanted to talk to you a little bit about cholesterol and heart health, because it's something that's been kind of on both of our radar over the last couple of days, and a bunch of videos have, have come to our awareness. And so we wanted to share with you the video that we've that we watched actually earlier today and and just kind of talk a little bit about the takes that we both got from it. Um, so we're going to share it with you. You'll have a chance to listen to it. And then we'd love to hear, like share with us what how you felt, what you got from it, any questions that you had. And we'll go from there. See if I can get this going. Millions more people in England could be prescribed daily cholesterol-lowering statin pills to cut their risk of a heart attack or stroke under new advice for the NHS. The National Institute for Health and Care Excellence says the cheap price of tablets and the possible health gains mean they should be considered more often. In England, high cholesterol leads to around 7% of all deaths. Well, I'm joined now by Dr. Asim Malhotra. He is a consultant cardiologist and specializes in statins. Thank you for joining us this morning, doctor. Um, so good, morning, in terms of, good morning. Um, in terms of what NICE are saying, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I have a great respect for NICE, but I think in this regard with statins, I think this guidance is misguided. Um, and the reason I say that with Wester is something I've, you know, I've managed thousands of people with heart disease in my career, um, prescribed statins, particularly to high-risk people. And I just want to you know, emphasize that people who've had a heart attack or high-risk, that's where we see the greatest benefits of statins. But in this guidance, this basically applies to people who have a less than 10% risk. And if you have a less than 20% risk of having a heart attack or stroke in the next 10 years, and one thing that we always tell patients when I prescribe statins or discuss it with them is that there is, first of all, no what we call mortality benefit. They're not going to live any longer over a five-year period. And uh, that the absolute benefits for them is about 1%, 1 in 100 in preventing a non-fatal heart attack or stroke. So that informed decision-making needs to be part of the process in discussion with patients. And, uh, and then help the patient make the decision themselves. In my own experience with WESA, when most patients are told this information, they actually say, Doc, to be honest, I don't really fancy those odds. Is there anything else I can do? And of course, the big issue really uh, that's ongoing, which has been you know, going, going on for years uh, in this country, is that we've not been addressing unhealthy lifestyles or certainly being effective in curbing unhealthy lifestyles. We have this big problem with the obesity epidemic and, uh, and when you look at heart disease, my own research has found this, is that the best way to prevent heart disease and even manage people with heart disease, whether or not they choose to take a statin, is actually through lifestyle changes. So what does that mean in simple terms? It means cutting out ultra-processed foods, which is now half of the British diet. So foods are coming out in a packet that are full of unhealthy oils, carbohydrates, sugar, for example. Um, eating real food, basically. Uh, moderate exercise, at least 30 minutes brisk walk a day. Uh, and also the, the, the other big sort of elephant in the room is stress reduction. Now, on top of that, the West, so one of the reasons I think this has come into the news just now is obviously there's been a big concern uh, recently around excess deaths. Now, the British Heart Foundation have said, certainly during the pandemic or since the pandemic, there's been 30,000 excess deaths specifically due to coronary artery disease. That's my area of expertise. 
And they're trying to figure out what's causing it. Chris Whitty recently said, suggested that it could be because people weren't prescribed statins or blood pressure pills. But Carl Hedigan, that, that unfortunately, I, I've got respect for Chris Whitty, but I think he's mistaken here because analysis I've done, even Carl Hennigan, the director of Center of Urban Space Medicine Oxford, suggests that statin pills prescription hasn't reduced since the pandemic. So it's unlikely to be a cause. But what is almost certainly, and I, if you allow me to say this, Lequesta, what I, my own research has found, uh, and this is something that is probably a likely contributing factor, is that the COVID mRNA vaccines do carry a cardiovascular risk. And um, I've actually called for the suspension of this pending an inquiry because there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what's causing the excess deaths. Some of it will be ambulance delays. My own father, it was reported on BBC News in July, um, late 2021, uh, I was the first to actually highlight the ambulance delays because my own father suffered a cardiac arrest at home and the ambulance took 30 minutes. And when his post-mortem came out, he had very severe coronary artery disease, which is unexplainable. I then published in a peer-reviewed journal, they accepted my findings that the likely cause of his death was two doses of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine he had six months earlier. So can I, I just, there's lots of, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, I just want to jump in on that point. So what you're saying in terms of the mRNA link to cardiovascular risk, is that that is a proven, it's been proven medically, has it? Scientifically? Yeah, yeah, for the question. So in medicine, you know, in any research that we do, it's very difficult to always be absolutely conclusive. So we go on like, and there are lots of data now um, the, the highest quality data is what we call randomized control trial evidence. So there was a reanalysis in the journal Vaccine published recently where they found that the original trials of Pfizer and Moderna with mRNA vaccines showed, and I just want to put this in absolute terms because we don't want to scare people unnecessarily, mm. but the absolute risk of serious adverse events was at least one in 800. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of those are cardiovascular. And then it, you were more likely in those trials to suffer a serious adverse event than to be hospitalized All right. COVID early on. And I think the vaccine has certainly helped people who are high risk, but now we should be reassured that Omicron and what's circulating is really no worse than the flu. And this is really time to pause the vaccine rollout and to really okay. investigate this problem. Okay, um, so I just want to clarify one, one point here, is that is using statins a cheaper, less resistant, but short-sighted um, approach to lower the risk? Yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly. So it doesn't mean statins don't have a role, but the absolute benefits are very marginal and low risk people. Okay. And, and, and actually, therefore, I would say to patients, this is the benefit, but if you cut ultra processed foods, if you get, engage in regular activity, and we need, we need to help people do that as well. The problem is, as you know, a lot of the issues driving the obesity epidemic are related to the food environment. We have an oversupply of cheap ultra processed foods that are very heavily marketed. And that drives a lot of behavior. And therefore, if we're really gonna combat obesity, and I advised Matt Hancock in this when he was actually to health, because you know, I came out and highlighted the link between COVID, poor outcomes from COVID and obesity. And one of the things I told Matt Hancock, and it was reported in the I newspaper, is that we need to introduce controls like we did with tobacco on these ultra-processed foods. So these are things like taxing ultra-processed foods, banning advertising of ultra-processed foods, uh, and also a public health education campaign saying, you know, if it comes out of a packet, and it has five or more ingredients, don't eat it. And when you look at the cardiovascular risk of Wester, what's really interesting in my own experience with patients is that very quickly, even within weeks, risk factors for heart disease through a process of 
helping reduce insulin resistance improve very, very quickly, purely from dietary changes. This isn't a long-term, you know, it doesn't take a long sort of uh, time to have this effect. It's very, very quick. And it's key, you know, you're advising people to put, uh, and that's what we need to really be thinking about. That's what the focus should be, I think, in terms of what's going to be the biggest impacts on reducing heart disease. Okay. Dr. Mahotra, thank you very much. Very in-depth explanation at the arguments that for and against. Thank you for that. So I found that really interesting. He covered a lot of things in there. So there's definitely a lot that we could unpack, but even just from the perspective of heart health, of blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, what were the things that stood out for you, Amanda, mostly? Um, I liked the points he made about uh, processed foods, banning advertising them or even taxing on them. So it's similar to, I guess, the smoking or even drinking. I mean, ideally, people are probably going to do it anyway, but to at least for younger people, if they're younger kids, if they're watching TV or whatever, they're not going to have this thrown in their face all the time as far as going to the fast food joint for food kind of thing. And focusing, I like the idea of focusing on a better lifestyle as far as getting exercise, um, Avoiding processed food, as I just said, uh, considering your stress levels, how to reduce those, stuff like that. You touched yeah. on quite a lot of things in a small amount of time. Yeah, he really did. And I mean, with news stuff like that, they have to, they have a short window, yeah, but <laughs> which is great because we get a condensed version. But I, I really like too, and how you pointed out, so that he said that the risk factors improve dramatically by making lifestyle changes mm -hmm. and a lot of the times when you go to your doctor something that's early you know as we're starting to get a little bit older in age an early thing to get checked is your blood pressure and if this is something that comes back as elevated or your cholesterol comes back as elevated the first mm -hmm. way that they often want to deal with this is medication mm -hmm. And it's rarely discussed, like if you could make some lifestyle changes, which I know is more effort, taking a pill is really easy, but ultimately like you could dramatically improve your health by cleaning up your diet, by moving your body more. I mean, we're such a sedentary lifestyle today. So even just those changes and then yes, taking a look at your stress and how can I manage my stress better? if this could make a really big improvement in your, in your life and on your health, why not start there? That's kind of, I mean, it's a take that I've taken in the past as well to get off medication. Um, but the other thing too, is that like a statin, the purpose of a statin is to prevent the body from producing as much cholesterol because ultimately the cholesterol that we have or that we get only about 20% of it typically comes from our food. Our, our body creates the rest of it. And cholesterol has a really important role in the body. So when the first step is to let's give you something that stops your body from producing cholesterol, something that we need to understand too is what cholesterol does for you. Mm -hmm. many and things. Many things. And there's many yeah. side effects to these medications as well. Like somewhere that we often will go to, even with clients, is drugs.com and look up the medication that's being recommended because it. I'll just talk from my experience, but anytime I've been prescribed a med in, in the past, 
the doctor hasn't gone over the side effects or they've handed me like this really thick booklet, like, you know, here's your list of side effects. Do you, I didn't open it. I'd kind of like look at it and I was like, well, this is overwhelming and just figure, well, it must be safe or my doctor wouldn't have prescribed it to me. Yeah. Right. And ultimately like cholesterol, there's four main roles for cholesterol in the body that without it, we're going to have issues. So our cell membranes, the membrane that lines every one of your cells, like if you think of um, like Hershey kisses that they're wrapped in foil, if they weren't wrapped in foil, you'd have chocolate everywhere. That's like the membrane of your cell. It's designed to protect your cell and, and keep it contained and keep it intact. And, and the membranes of every one of our cells are made up cholesterol and fatty acids are a really big part of structural things in our body, especially our cell membranes um, and the integrity of your cell membranes. Cholesterol is really important for as well. Cholesterol is a component of bile. We can't break down fat without cholesterol. So if you're someone that has a hard time breaking down fat, what's going on? Why is there, why is your body not doing that? And uh, an insufficient amount of cholesterol like low cholesterol is not good either um it's a and cholesterol is a precursor so our body can't make sex hormones it can't make progesterone testosterone estrogen and it also can't make cortisol our stress hormone without cholesterol and it can't make vitamin d either so these are all really important things for life and we need cholesterol for all of these things so this is my concern when it comes to, you know, you get to, to an age where you go and you get checked and you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, and the instant knee-jerk reaction is we need to put you on something to suppress this, to make your body produce less of this. We need to tell you to stop eating eggs, stop eating animal foods, stop eating foods that have cholesterol in them. But ultimately, like structurally, your body won't survive if it doesn't have the right amount of cholesterol. Uh, ultimately, when they've decided to, if you've done a blood test and they, and your um, cholesterol levels come back high, the they're always putting you on a drug that seems to stop your body from naturally doing what it's supposed to do. We're always inhibiting your body's natural functions. And like I've said it a million times or there enough that our body is smart and knows, knows what it's doing. So why are we getting in the way of that process? And that's exactly what the statin is doing. It's interfering with the process of the body and the fact that we need cholesterol in order to do so many things. We need it to, uh, it's our brain is mostly fat. Most of us are fat ourselves, like all our, our makeup, the, the hormones we need, and if there was another video I know we were watching recently as well, where it was said that your, your body does make cholesterol, your liver does, but if you can supply your body with the cholesterol it needs, it doesn't have to work as hard. So therefore it's not going to be as taxing on your body if you kind of support it in that way, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that was another really good one. We can share the link for that in the show notes as well. Um, and it was, again, it was a doctor that talking about a lot of the times. So we're talking about eating less ultra processed foods and 
we blame cholesterol for so many things, but ultimately sugar is the problem. That's yeah. often the reason that people are having issues and sugar is what's going to happen if you're eating lots of sugar is we're causing inflammation in the body and inflammation in the body, inflammation in your blood vessels, inflammation in your veins is going to cause an assault on areas that's going to cause breakdown. And then cholesterol, a lot of the times is what comes in to fix things. The body can't heal properly. Things can't repair without cholesterol support. So cholesterol is, is to blame for so many things because the doctors go in when you're having blood pressure issues or you're having heart issues and they go in and they find there's cholesterols in your cholesterols, <laughs> cholesterol in your veins or in your arteries. Why is it there? It's there to repair the damage that has been caused that often comes from inflammation. And one of the biggest inflammatory things in our diet is sugar. And then vegetable oil is another one that contributes here as well. So it's like going to a fire and, you know, you see a house on fire and you see a bunch of them. And every time you see a house on fire, you see a fire truck. And so you think, well, there's fire trucks at all these fires. These fire trucks must be causing the fires. The fire truck is not causing the fire. The fire truck is there to fix the problem. The fire was already there. Something else caused it. And it's similar when we think of cholesterol. Cholesterol is coming in to try and fix the problem but it's given the blame for why there's a problem to begin with. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's funny how the media likes to focus on even, I guess, not just media our doctors, as far as what they're being maybe taught in school or whatever, however they get that information that they're then passing on to their patient. Like it's very much their, they're only talking about one thing. Usually that's medication. They're missing out on the many other puzzle pieces that go into their, their patient. And as we talked about, that is lifestyle. That is cutting out on your, your carbs, your sugar specifically. I don't know how many out there are actually addressing that issue that sugar is generally the problem. Sugar causes inf inflammation. Sugar causes uh, immune suppression, which is something that's been a big a big topic the last few years that the reason people are getting sick or having issues is because their immune system is compromised. And there's been a lot of factors going on the last couple of years that have affected that as far as, uh, over maybe overwashing our hands using certain, um, antibacterials for one and separation from people. That's a huge yeah. thing. That's the biggest biggest uh, form of punishment that you can have in the in a jail system is isolation and that was something that was done to most of the world in the last few years so the, how is that going to impact your your body your immune system your your mental state and everything like that's just overall a huge component so there's so many factors that have come into play and to think that they're not talking about ways to boost our immune system and ways to keep ourselves healthy. They're always looking to, it seems to, they're always looking to find the next medication that will attack whatever is deemed uh, the problem, which is not always the problem. It seems to be the opposite is the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
like nothing. There was no focus for the last two, almost three years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, That's right. There was no focus on what should you be eating to stay healthy? There was no focus on get outside and get some sunlight, get mm. out in nature. There was no focus on move your body more. The gyms were closed. So mm -hmm. physical exercise, we were all trapped in our homes. We were exposed to blue light all day long. We were, you know, doing online schooling for a lot of people, even for, for young children. And so our bodies were taking an assault of all kinds of different things that we're not used to dealing with. And there was no conversation of what support can we give our systems to help them manage mm -hmm. things better? I mean and meanwhile, all the liquor stores and drug stores and things like that, um, cigarettes, whatever drug, whatever your choice was, those were wide open. Like yeah. we weren't, yeah, it's, yeah, there's so many layers to that in itself, but just interesting what's made available and what's taken away. The, the mental benefits of even just going to the gym to work out for people can be huge huge and that was taken away and what were the alternatives for people there weren't weren't many if you didn't have any equipment which was also very hard to come by yep it's true and i get that you know from the mental health side of things and and from coping and taking everything away would have been probably too much of an assault for people but mm -hmm. ultimately there's so many things we could have done for ourselves um that just wasn't discussed and wasn't talked about. Yeah. I'm having a bit of a uh, memory thing coming back now as far as when you asked about low cholesterol, the side effects to that was having um, mental uh, illness, depression. Uh, some people weren't acting themselves, uh, memory issues, even uh, like anger related behavior was another thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Changes in your mood, sleep, stuff like that. So it's, well, go ahead. Our brain is made up of fat, saturated fat and cholesterol. It's, it's such a structural component of so many different things Our muscles. Mm -hmm. We need fat and cholesterol to, to maintain muscle mass. So that's one of the side effects of having low cholesterol or being on a statin as well as, as muscle loss. Mm -hmm. It's because from a structural way of looking at things, the body breaks down without cholesterol because there's nothing to come back in to build things back up. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what we are as humans. We are not like when you were born or even when you get to ad adulthood, I said that weird, um, <laughs> You get to an age where you're not really growing anymore and stuff, but you, you are, our bodies are living, our tissues are living. They're constantly mm -hmm. adapting and changing. Your muscles are changing. Your bones are changing. Like so many parts of your body is constantly adapting and changing. Yeah. And without cholesterol, it's not able to do that. So well, each part of your body has a certain life cycle as well. So mm -hmm. it's pretty much reproducing like your cells, what was it, 90 to 120 days or something is the life cycle of a cell. So you're red, your red constantly cells, yeah. throwing out a new version of yourself, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And if you have like no Lego pieces, <laughs> you're not building new things because there's nothing to, no way to do that. Yeah. And we start to break down. 
And that was the other thing that I just remembered as well. The, the uh, amount of infertility that's going on in the world, part of that is to do because people are not getting enough cholesterol and fat in their diets, which comes back to the, the hormones, sex hormones. Like yeah. That building, building, the building blocks there are required for ourselves, never mind to produce another human. So how are you supposed to do that if you can't take care of your own body? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's a stress factor too. We could do a whole different mm -hmm. talk about stress in general, because if the body, if it has, you know, the building blocks to make sex hormones, those same building blocks are going to be stolen to make stress hormones. If you're stressed all the time, the body is not prioritizing making another human because who wants to bring another human into the world when life is stressful and you're just fighting to stay alive, mm -hmm. right? It's not so, a priority. No, it's not. It's not. So yeah, it's true. Cholesterol is important for so many different functions in the body. And when we don't have it or when we're suppressing it, using medication to suppress our body's ability to create it for us, like our bodies, like you said, are smart. They're trying to do the things to keep us healthy and keep us alive. And we're messing with it a lot of the times, not intentionally, but that's what we've been conditioned and, and raised to do is to use a medication to try and fix things when things aren't necessarily broken to begin with, rather than figuring out like, okay, so why? Why is this happening? Why am I dealing with these things? Right? Because there, there's a cause. There's always a cause. Exactly. And sometimes it's just our body's doing what it's supposed to do. And we just have, we don't have the correct information about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's probably, is that the gist of what we want to get out? There's a lot of lifestyle opportunities there. Cholesterol is not bad. It, we need it in our body. We need to do all those functions. Um, it's not the, the villain of the story. The real one is sugar. That's the one we should focus on reducing and eliminating if possible. Absolutely. Inflammation causer. That's the, the immune suppressant. Yeah. Focus so hopefully that. that, I mean, that video that we shared, like, yes, it was, this is a podcast. It wasn't a video for you. <laughs> um, but hopefully you got some value from it. He, like, you know, we said he covers a lot. It's like a seven minute video, I think. And there's a ton of information cr crammed in there and he goes a bunch of different ways with it. Um, but we'll share the link for that in the show notes for this episode. So you can check it out. Um, we can also share the link for the video that Amanda mentioned. It's Dr. Natasha something. Oh, yeah, she has funny. a couple books as well that talk about a, a bunch of different health topics, which are really interesting. Um, so we'll share her video with you as well. It talks about heart related, is it uh, heart attack and stroke? I think is what she's talking about. Yeah, Dr. About. Natasha Campbell McBride. Yeah. Um, her video was really good. It's really Very digestible. Good. It's something that I found, like I shared it with my mom who's 67 years old. And she said like, there was a lot of information in that. It was really easy to listen to. So, yeah, I mean, we're sharing stuff with you because there's so much information out there, especially over the last almost three years, so much information out there. And ultimately, from my perspective, like whatever you choose to do with your life, whatever choice, whatever path you want to go on, that's completely up to you. It always is. 
But my concern with the last couple of years is that I think people should have the opportunity to make their choices from a place of understanding what the options are. And that hasn't really been the case. It's been very um, one-sided, I guess, is the only way that I can think of. And to try and figure out and, and learn information that talks about the other side. You know what? You're going to choose whichever whichever speaks to you and whatever makes sense to you. But if you don't know kind of both sides of things or both that there are other options, you're kind of miss, like, what's the right word? You're, you're don't have the best advantage because you don't have all of the options and all of the information. Yeah. The full picture, basically. Yeah. You want to make an informed decision, not a, oh, I've, this is all the information I have. So let's just do this. Yeah. So hopefully you got something from this. Um, that's why we share this stuff. Yeah. One, we find it interesting. And two, it's uh, it's great to share so people can get that information as well. And and hopefully you find it interesting as well, because it's I think it's a great amount of knowledge to have as far as making different choices for your health. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for listening. Um, if you have any questions, if you have you know any feedback, you can reach out to us. Uh, check out the links. See what you think. And have a wonderful day.